Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Um, today we're going to continue on the road to Pentecost, talking about um, the Holy Spirit and the things of the Spirit. And last week I said, I'm so mindful that some of these things might be elementary to so many of us here. <laughs> but there's people here that are new in Christ, and they haven't really heard about the Holy Spirit. And I, I can tell you, I, I got saved when I was 12. I can still do with more teaching on the Holy Spirit. So we're not going to stop now. Amen. And, um, you know, just today about a little bit about the person of the Holy Spirit um, and what He means to us, because sometimes it's a lot to get your head around, the Trinity. You know, Jesus being here on earth, fully man but fully God, I'm so thankful for that, because if He hadn't done that, we could, people, humanity could turn around and say, Lord, but you don't know how I'm feeling. You don't know what I'm going through. But, but Jesus came experienced everything that we'd ever face and went to the cross so that we would be victorious and we could live victoriously. Amen? He knows your pain and He knows your struggles. So we can't ever say to, Lord, you don't know what I'm going through. He knows what we're going through. He knows what we're going through. And so you have this triune Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they're all one. And, the, the, and probably there's a lot of different theology on this. But they are all one. One God, one Spirit. One Spirit, one church. Christians like to agree on the first two, but they don't re readily agree on the third one. <laughs> one God, one church, uh, one Spirit, one church. There's only one church. So this is the church. The church will look different in the future. And we think about who was there when God, who is the creator, he created everything that we see. But Jesus was there at the same time because Jesus is the word. And God spoke the word and the word created there was, some, there was something else there at that time. If you go to the Scripture, you'll find that wisdom was there. Wisdom was there. So God was there. Jesus was there. Wisdom was there. I get my wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Amen. They were all there. So, you know, we could do long Bible studies on that, but all you need to know is that if someone accuses you of, worship, of serving three gods, you can tell them it's not right. I only serve one. They're three in one. We have to understand that Trinity is one. Amen? So we've got God, God create the creator. Then we've got Jesus, who was God made flesh, the redeemer. He redeemed us. And then... We've got the Holy Spirit. So the 
often overlooked third person of the Godhead, so they say. And what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to set apart. Is to set apart. The Holy Spirit is the agent that makes life possible as a believer. He sets us apart. He, he lets us know when we are right, when we're wrong. He lets us know if there's a decision to be made. He will, he will guide us. We, and God, and he's, God gives us choice. Isn't that amazing that God gives us choice? You know, and it's hard, you know, because sometimes if, you know, if I said, look, here's a sticky toffee pudding, Linda. You've got the choice between that and let's go back to porridge. You know, our natural inclination is always to go to what it, it tastes good and tastes better and is nicer and is sweeter. God has still given us choice. And the, the reality is um, that sometimes we will have to choose things that are hard to choose. Amen? Last week, we laid a little foundation on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We ended up sharing on the depth of um, or the reality of our spirituality. But I think what we're really saying in, in these messages is how alive are our spirits to the Spirit of God? Because um, if you ever, you know, you know, some you may may have heard this. You, you making a comment about someone? It's like it's almost as if he's comatose. You know, he's dead. You know, they're alive, but the lights are on, but there's no one at home. <laughs> but we're really talking about wake, awakening our spirits to the spirit of God. How alive are our spirits to the to to the spirit of God? And there's a big difference between. Um, spirituality and um, spiritual experiences. I'm, I'm talking about Holy Spirit spirituality. Amen? Jesus, when he was here, the word says that he could look into people's hearts. He could discern what they were thinking, and he knew what was in the heart of man. Now, how many times have you maybe been with some, I've been with some people who I respect and I honor and they look at you and it's like they're looking into my soul, you, you know, and you know they've been set apart and they've been brought across your path for a purpose to tell you something and it's like they speak right to the very marrow of your being and it's like, Lord, I know you're speaking to me here. So, Jesus could discern where people were. So there is a big, there's often a, an outward display of spirituality, but there might not be much spiritually going on actually in our lives. And um, Jesus was always right on the money. You know, even when, even when he said to Peter, do you remember what he said to Peter? He says, before the end of the, you're going to deny me three times. Peter says, no, I won't deny you. I will never deny you, Lord. You're my, you're my Lord. I won't deny you. And, but Jesus knew what was in his heart. Amen. When people were waving palms for him and putting garments on the floor when Jesus came into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry, the same people, he knew the same people would be there at the, in the crowd 
when Pontius Pilate was giving the people a choice, who do you want? So, you know, sometimes people, I'll, I'll go to my death for you, Lord. But how do you maintain that? How do you keep that conviction in your life? The word says, I don't remember where, maybe some of the Bible scholars would tell me, it talks about the, the, the uh, I don't know if it's talking about the disciples or the followers of Christ said they, they loved not their lives to the death. They, they, they would rather die for Christ than live. They had such a strong conviction. And so what, what we need to recognize as we mature as a church and as we mature as people and we have to quickly because there's so, a lot going on in the world. So we need this. We, we re, and and I, I, I hope like, like, like me, hopefully, that the Holy Spirit is pulling you up by your bootstraps and he's girding you because there's something coming that we need to be ready for. But spiritual experiences don't require any discipline. People flock to spiritual experiences, but they don't require much discipline of the soul. We can be stimulated by, I just want to say thank you to the praise and worship team this morning for doing a great job. You know, we, we, music, music, it, it helps to create an atmosphere where God makes himself at home. But we have to be beware that we are not emotionally moved, that the stimulus is the, is the focus on the Lord. And that's, that's a trap. That's where Satan counterfeited worship. And he introduced, he introduced an alternative type of worship so that the world would, through the influence of music, one of the most powerful influences on earth, music. And Satan hijacked it. But its purity is for the Lord. Amen. So, you know, we can, music can stir up intense feelings and the words and the lyrics can do things to you. But remember, that does not mean it's Holy Spirit spirituality. Amen. And there's nothing wrong with emotions. I keep on, I say this often at New Focus, I say, emotions enrich our lives. We can't be emotionless people. Because crying and laughing and joy and empathy and, and, and sympathy and, and um, breaking your heart, breaking, you know, when someone's heart's breaking next to you, break your heart alongside them. It means more than anything to that person. But, you know, so God enriches our lives by emotions, but he doesn't want our life to be governed by our emotions. Amen? So, um, if we were emotionless, you know, we would, we would be living in a different reality. We, we, we can't, you cannot not feel, I don't know if any of you watched yesterday the, the funeral, but you cannot not, your heart feels for, for people in, in, these, in these times. My heart went out to the queen yesterday, really did. So, but spiritual experiences as well, they can be passing. They don't last long. They don't have a long shelf life. They might just be for the evening where you go to the convention or to the worship seminar or to the prophetic seminar or whatever. 
but they have to be reliable in the long term. So what you take away from that seminar, that convention, is it really stirred you and changed you, and is it going to keep you on course for a long period of time? Amen? And the thing is, when we start to focus on experience instead of the, the source, that is dangerous ground for people because you can so easily then step into pride. And we've got to remember that it's, all, it's not about us, it's all about Him. And it's the Holy Spirit who is the giver of gifts. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us anything that we have. Amen? And so the problem is, the problem can be, and I don't want to make sweeping statements this morning, but a lot of unbelievers look into the, through the windows of church life, whether it's on social media or, or YouTube, and they become cynical over spiritual things because of the mishandling, the mishandling of the things of the Spirit. And the thing is that what happens when the Holy Spirit then makes a genuine approach to someone, but their heart has already been hardened because they have tarred everything with that one brush. You do weird stuff. You're all into weird things. You speak in funny languages and all of that kind of stuff. So the Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. Part of the person of the Holy Spirit is that he's not chaotic. He loves order. He loves order. He loves things to be done in a set order. And if your heart, you know, I always say this, what the, 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 the umpire of our hearts is peace. And without the peace that oh, the Holy Spirit gives you, don't move. Don't make it that choice or that decision until the umpire of your heart is settled within you. Amen? Before, you know, before I, before I prepare a message, I better make sure that, I've, that I'm submitted to the Holy Spirit. Before I send a message to someone by text, I better make sure I'm submitted. All of that kind of stuff. And so, a lot of times, because of the emphasis on, and, and let's not, don't, don't misunderstand me, the Word is the Word, and the Word is even above His name, God's name. This, some of you may have heard this as being uh, sola scriptura, the Word, um, you know, some might be familiar with Calvinism and different types of teaching. The Word is the Word, definitely. The Word, the word is the Word, but we are not to be Christian information seekers, which a lot of people, they hunger after knowledge. The Word says hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's good to have, we need knowledge in fact, I had a wee thing here in Isaiah somewhere. In Isaiah chapter, uh, this is a wee, by the way, Isaiah chapter um, 5, verse 13, Therefore my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. The, even the honorable men are famished, and the multitude are dried up with thirst. But a lot of people pursue knowledge and think that we can live an exemplary Christian life because we've got lots of knowledge. How well informed are we about Christian matters? 
How, how many good works do we do? And those are all good things. You don't get me wrong. But that how alive your spirit is to the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with how well you know your Bible. It has nothing to do with how much you give. It has, it has nothing to do with how hyperactive you are in church life. Amen? So the plan is, the plan is to share a bit on the person of the Holy Spirit. What is the believer's relationship to the Holy Spirit? Do we understand who the Holy Spirit is and what he offers to the believer? And that's, that's the we plan as we go up to Pentecost Sunday. Amen? As I said last week, we'll go on to cover the fruits of the Spirit in more detail. We'll cover the gifts of the Spirit in more detail. And by the grace of God, I hope we'll all have a bit more revelation coming into our lives. And the, the revelation would have the outcome that we'd have spiritual encounters daily. More spiritual encounters daily. Amen. And so I pray that we'll have spirit-led events and that we'll have spirit-filled encounters in this church. And we pray that. You've got to pray that for all the churches. Amen. And that we'd all experience a pouring out of God's Spirit in these days. Which days are these? <laughs> well, they're... The, uh, it's, someone, we had a speaker here a long time ago, still remember, she was a big, uh, I say big, she was tall, Texan woman. And she, said, she prayed, Lord, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Thank God for the, for the, the oomph of youth. Amen. Let's, so maximize your potential. Do something with what, the time you've got left. And we pray that you'll have lots of time. A long life. With long life shall he satisfy you. Amen. Go in, go in the word today to Acts chapter 2. And I'm reading from the New Living, uh, New Living Translation. And this is Peter preaching to the crowd. And of course, we know in a bit of context that he said to them, these people here are not drunk, as you suppose. They've just been filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so he steps forward and he says, listen carefully, carefully, all you fellow Jews. Don't make any mistakes about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. It depends what town you're in. <laughs> Nine o'clock, it's too early to get drunk. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. So Caden and Taylor and Lewis and Isabella and all of our young people, that's a, that's, that's a promise for them will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Who's, who, out, out of us older ones, who's dreaming more dreams? Yeah? Are you sure it's no visions you've got? Because you're still young. Dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. Please take in these words. I'll pour out my spirit, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. 
And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But anyone, but everyone and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm hearing a lot. There's a lot more coming to the fore because of some unfortunate situations that have happened in the body of Christ. People calling one another out. People judging one another. No, I don't agree with it. We have one judge. Amen? So people that say, well, there's only so many people going to go and be with the Lord in eternity and there's just an elect few, that there tells me that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't just sit back and let, take a lot of this in when I, otherwise, how many people would be lost without hope? And he came to give us hope. So I don't want to have the pride in me that says only, only so many people are going to go and be with the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I personally believe that the Spirit is still at work. I, I don't get into arguments about cessationism. All right? Where some believe the Holy Spirit only empowered the apostles in the New Testament church and the signs and the gifts ceased to operate after that. I believe the Holy Spirit was the difference maker then, and He's still the difference maker now. The gifts of the Holy Spirit did not end as far as I'm concerned, but you may have your own opinion on that. But as far as I know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit continue. In Acts 2 verse 17, it says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Can anyone tell me what one of the Holy Spirit's gifts is? Prophecy. So, if prophecy and prophecy, we, we have so thank, thankfully been in relationship with Brother Dale Gentry for many years. And um, boy, I went back and read some of his January prophetic words recently. And, there's a, there's, and, and I'm thankful for him that there is a genuine there's, 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 there's a, they've been validated, put it that way. And things are unfolding in the world, and prophecy is, is definitely a thing. However, we've got to be, be careful, because for every, for every good, there's a, there's a counterfeit, there's a bad, there's a false. For every truth, there's a falsehood. Amen. John 14, John 14 verse 16 to 17, I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. So, the whole part of the person of the Holy Spirit is He is someone who will not leave you. He's the, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and it doesn't recognize Him, but you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be in you. He says, that, he says, Later, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is going to make himself at home in your life, in your heart. Amen. 
John, 14, chapter, John chapter 14, verse 26. But when the Father sends the advocate, there's a lot of word this morning. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. I am leaving you with a gift, right? He left us and he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift to the believer. And he says, I'm leaving you with a gift. What's the gift that it says here? Peace of mind and heart. Where does, where's the source of peace from then? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I'm leaving you with this gift, peace of mind of heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. You can run wherever you want to, thinking that someone will alleviate your fear and your, and your anxiety and your problems. But the peace, according to the Word of God, that He gives, the world cannot give you. It's only the Holy Spirit that can give you that deep peace. That's the only one that can, you can put your head on the pillow at night and you can go off to la-la land and everything is good. Everything is good. Amen. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is a teacher, one of the, the person of the Holy Spirit, and he's a reminderer. So I have a word. He's, he's a reminder, a reminderer. He's a reminderer because he brings back to our remembrance the life-giving words that Christ has spoken to us. And he does this in his word by way of prophecy, dreams, and visions. Word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, all of these things working together. He and, and, and it's like Jesus said to the disciples, when I leave, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit to remind you of the things that I'm telling you. Why did he say that? Because he knew they were all going to sacrifice their lives for him. They were, uh, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, was there one who wasn't martyred or crucified? John. The rest, all of the others, were martyred for Christ. As far as I, as, as, as I know. I'm not the greatest theologian. Amen? So, the Holy Spirit's there. Ah, oh, remember what Jesus said. Remember, remember, he says, that when they bring you before rulers and kings, stay silent. And when you open your mouth to speak, let it be the Holy Spirit that gives you words to speak. And when you stand before the judge, let him make a case for you. We, the, Christian, the, the, the Christians of this land are fighting battles on every side right now. On every side. We must let the Holy Spirit be our advocate. Hallelujah. John 16 verse 7, the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm going away to the one who sent me, that was his father, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you're grieving because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available 
because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. Wow. One, you know, you think about what, was, what were those words going to be? When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. The spirit of truth will tell you about the future. Not Maggie down the Merrimus in the caravan. Yeah, they might tell you something about your future, but it'll be with, uh, connected to familiar spirits. Certainly won't take you down the right road. Tarot's, um, is it right? I'll get it mixed up. It's not astronomy, it's astrology. Things like that. You know, you put, where do you place your trust? You're going to place your trust in the daily records horoscope, or are you going to place your trust in the Holy Spirit of God? Amen. So, he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. I can imagine the, the Jesus at the right hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit going between us, always moving, always in motion, always stirring things up and causing things to happen. You know, when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, he knew that it was for our advantage you know what the word advantage means? The word advantage means that you have a favorable position. He sent the Holy Spirit to give you a superior position, a favorable position. And I know people here that have been greatly favored. It's because of the Holy Spirit. He will, put, he will give you an advantage. Amen? So he sent him because even when Jesus was here on this earth, Jesus couldn't be within everybody because he was, he was God in flesh. He couldn't be within everybody, but he sent his Holy Spirit to abide in us. Amen? And then he says in John 14, 12, anyone, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same work as I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Amen? The works that he's talking about there are the works of Jesus. The works that I do, you will do also. If you want to know the works that Jesus did, just go and read through the Gospels, and you'll see there what the works are. The work, one of the works of Jesus was the new birth, pointing people to salvation and eternity. Amen? So, just as God sent His Son, Jesus, into the earth to do what He was, His mission, Jesus sent us, His disciples, into the earth to keep that mission going. And He knew that we would not be able to do it without the Holy Spirit. We would be wrecks. We would be wrecked because you cannot build anything on your own strength. We would be wrecked. So now, now I call myself a resurrected wreck. I'm a resurrected wreck. And, uh, you know, just, you've got to just see that, you know. Lord, he, yesterday at the funeral, 
They were reading from Ephesians. To live with Christ, to die with Christ, to be resurrected with Christ. You're, you've been, you're, you're, you're resurrected. You're resurrected. doesn't matter what happened. You've been resurrected. doesn't happen what, ha- what happened in 1980, 85, 90. We've all got a lot of stuff, baggage in the past, but he re- he's a God of the resurrection. Amen? He makes the difference. We can only do the greater works with the Holy Spirit. Amen? So he makes the difference. He's the difference maker. How do we receive the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, that's where we're going in, the f- in probably next week or the week after. Well, it's in Acts 1.8. We receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We've already, we've already received a measure of the Holy Spirit when we were born again. And then the Word says that we can be uh, baptized in water and in the Spirit. Okay? So, and if we do that, we get the Holy Spirit's anointing on our lives, the, the ability to do the greater works. Amen? So, you know, that's... Uh, and that's a promise from God. If you open your heart and you ask, ask Him in, Lord, when we pray and we lay hands on you, if, well, we'll lay, we'll lay hands on you. I'm just going to say it. We'll lay hands on you. Yeah? Then the Holy Spirit, okay, not coming from me or Pastor Linda or anyone, the Holy Spirit comes in. And it's like spring up a well within my soul. You know, I, was, I heard one guy saying, uh, can you please, please describe tongues to me? And he, and, he, and he says, well, you know, first of all, he said, this is what my heavenly language is about. I pray it when I'm in private. It edifies me. It builds me up. When I don't know what to pray, I pray in tongues. It's not out of control. I think the interviewer thought this is a thing that gets out of control and something takes over your body. No, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You can control the spirit because if you can't, then there's chaos. And that's why there's enmity between the flesh and the spirit because you either walk in the flesh to satisfy the lusts of the flesh, which one of them is pride, or you walk in the spirit and then it's not about you. And whatever you do in the spirit, I guarantee you, will not offend. It may convict someone else, but it will not be the wrong thing to do, and it will not offend them. Amen? So, amen? So, the, 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 the Holy Spirit's come, lives in us, and He's with us. Hebrews 13.5, I will not leave you or forsake you. So, just there should be this constant awareness of the presence of God. I'm going to bring this to a close just now. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says that, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you've received as a gift from God and that you are not your own. You're not your own property. This is in the Amplified. You were bought with a price. You were actually purchased. You were bought with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. So then whatever you do, honor and bring glory to him in your body. Amen. So when you start to meditate on that, you start to take a different view as to how you even treat your own physical life. 
Amen? Because the Holy Spirit wants to be happy where he lives. <laughs> but if we constantly defile ourselves, do you, do you believe that God is going to make himself at home in a life that is constantly defiling or, or idolizing other things instead of him? I don't believe so. Amen? And this is another thing that comes from certain quarters. Once saved, always saved. But I, 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 I remember uh, Dan McVicker standing in the front of the church here. Someone asked him once uh, that question. Dan, once saved, are you always saved? He says, aye, if you stay saved. If you stay saved. Amen. So, he is a friend, a teacher, a comforter, a guide to us. Amen. And the more we fellowship with the Holy Spirit every day, the more intimate we will get to know him in relationship with him. The more we will recognize the voice of God, which is what everyone wants to know. Isn't it? Uh, what, what is God saying? Everyone wants to know something. And all we need to do is cultivate intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And we will be able to know, should I do this? Should I do that? I could go down a, some trail this morning with should I's. We've got lots of people, got lots of decisions to make. Should I do this? Should I do that? The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. Amen? Jesus sent the, the, the disciples out, the Lord working with them, but not to their own ends. So when we work, I rather prefer to say, Holy Spirit, you tell me what I need to do today. I'll work with you. The Holy Spirit has a plan for your life every day. All you need to do is ask him what it is you need to do. So we've got to flow with what the Holy Spirit's doing and be sensitive to that. He doesn't always do the same thing the same way twice. Amen? So when we just move According to what we are, the unction and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, he leads us into truth. And we operate out of truth. And when we operate out of truth, people's lives are changed. Amen. That's the way the early church functioned. Signs and wonders followed the truth. Signs and wonders followed the truth. So I had a little bit of a spiel this morning, a little bit about the tabernacle of David but I'm not going to go there. Talking about it, maybe we'll cover it sometime. Talking about the tabernacle of David, which was a makeshift tent. David didn't get to, to build the temple. His son Solomon did in a time of peace. But it was all about the ark, which is where the presence of God was. Wherever the ark was, God's presence was. It was contained in this place. Eventually, the ark ended up back at Mount Zion, reunited with the priesthood and the, all the temple stuff and everything else. And the presence of God and the glory of God was so strong that the priest could not even stand up to minister. And now, we have the presence of the living God available and living in us. We no longer follow an ark around. You're, you're a living tabernacle. Amen. And so 
we can maybe go into that some more. But one of the important things was there was that David had laid a foundation already for Solomon to build on. Okay? People have prayed in great outpourings and revivals in Scotland and in Wales and in England and in, in the past. The foundation is there. You, we don't have to relay the foundation. We just have to revive and reawaken our spirits because there may be things that are dormant that are being ready to be reawakened again. Amen? Because let me tell you, I st- you know, I, I was full of trepidation. I thought, I'm going to try and start my old motorbike in the shed. And there was old fuel in it. And I thought the normal thing is when there's old petrol, Michael, you'll know this, if there's old petrol, it gums up the carbon. And it's like, is this thing even going to start? It's been dormant for years. And I took it, I went and I charged up a wee battery. And I put the battery, I connected the leads to it. And I pulled the kickstand out and I was like, my heart was beating. I said, come on, wee Suzuki, it's time to come into life again. And I put the choke on. And I think the battery was like the Holy Spirit, you know, the spark. No, let me put it this way, because there's a scripture that says that Jesus is the winnowing fan. He's, he fans the flame. So we'll say that the petrol is like the Holy Spirit that flows. And, this fat, and so I kick and I kick and about a dozen times, and then I hear this grumble. And then I hear this, and I'm like, you want to, you want to. You want to make my day, jing, and then throttle and it's a two-stroke. It makes a, a lot of racket and puts out a lot of smoke. And I thought, what was dormant has come to life. There's something flowing through these pipes again. The petrol that was in the pipes was actually old petrol. But the spirit is the spirit of the ages. He's a spirit of the ages. We don't need a new Holy Spirit. (laughs) There's only one. We don't need a new one. Just need a new us. Just need a new, create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. If David says, take not your Holy Spirit from me, it must have been possible for the Holy Spirit to be taken. Amen. So there's lots of things to, to get to. And I had a little thing with my fountain pen this morning. Maybe I can finish off on that. Hallelujah. We just need God's perspective in an upside down, back to front world. We need his perspective on things. Amen. And... These days, with attacks on all sides and the Holy Spirit feels like it's being stifled and quenched, more and more so, we need to move with the Holy Spirit. I hope that between now and Pentecost, these messages fan the flame and rekindle something in us. Amen. Matthew 3 talks about John speaking. He's saying, I'm not worthy to even tie your sandals, Jesus, but you know, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. 
whose fan is in his hand, he will thoroughly purge his floor and gut and so on. You'll burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The Holy Spirit church is a person. He can be offended and grieved. We can hurt his feelings. We need to be careful about how we treat the Holy Spirit. Amen. God is sovereign and he will move. And if we grieve the Spirit, the word says that he will pass over us and he'll find someone that will do the work. Amen. His eyes are searching to and fro over all of the land to see who will be faithful to him. Amen. But if we are not ready to flow with the Holy Spirit, then can we expect to experience a move of the Spirit or be the initiators of a move of the Holy Spirit? There still has to be order in the church and what some people, as I said at the start, we have freedom in the Spirit. But some I don't want God saying, You're deaf, you, you, what you say is, is liberty, is confusion. We, want, we still need to move with the Spirit in, what do they call it, in lockstep? In keeping, in time with the Spirit. We can definitely not get ahead of Him like we try and do. And sometimes we fall way behind Him, but we just want to be with Him. I had this fountain pen here. I love writing with fountain pens. The art of writing comes back to life when you write with a fountain pen. Amen. If the ink in this fountain pen is the Holy Spirit, here, here we go. I didn't even mean to bring my motorbike illustration up, but if the, ink, if the ink in this cartridge is the Holy Spirit and it contains that, and the pen and the nib is the medium through which the ink flows, amen, it's the way it was designed so that when that ink comes out onto the paper, it produces something understandable and legible. Otherwise, the ink would flow out onto the paper and be a, a blob. Now, some people might be into abstract art and love that, but the, 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 there's a structure here that enables the flow of that ink to produce something that is understandable. And although the word says the believers, the world, the, the, the non-believers, unbelievers, the world does not understand the things of the Spirit, but through the works of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings sin, righteousness, and judge, conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And we'll go into that a bit more next week. Amen? So, but think of that. Meditate on that. So, in many ways, we are like these other things that channel the, the, the move and the flow of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.